You're listening to the Calvary Presbyterian Church Podcast. Why does God allow suffering? It's asked at every exam in seminary, and we blather something we think makes sense in response. Are God's eyes closed to hate and war? Why is God so silent? These questions, though understandable, I believe misconstrue the fundamental nature of God as revealed through the prophets. The prophet Hosea, the first of the minor prophets, answers these questions indirectly. Hosea writes of God as a jilted lover, a husband suffering a bad romance and admonishing us to increase the quality of all of our relationships. If you know me, you know that I find God in music. I can't interpret a Bible passage without some music popping up, whether it's ancient or classical or something off the radio right now. This especially is true in Hosea's over-anthropomorphized version of God. So alongside Hosea, God laments. God awaits the return of a runaway bride. And God wonders, where did this all go wrong? We'll come back to this marriage metaphor. But first, what's happened since last week in the whole Elijah episode? Well, a century has passed. And Israel and Judah are still a divided nation, a northern and southern kingdom. The northern kingdom called Israel or Ephraim in Hosea is ruled by a disastrous uh, Jeroboam II, a king who betrays his people and wants him to make a pact with the invading Assyrian Empire. Jeroboam II and his priests have dismantled education and culture. Hosea says the people no longer know who God is. They don't know the true word of God anymore. They're suffering from a conditioned kind of apathy, oblivious to God's world all around them. They go back to worshiping Baal and give themselves to that whole violent cult that Marcy preached on last week, what the choir will bring to life Saturday night. Get your tickets today. Seatbelts not included. It is, it is something. Now, does any of this sound current or relevant? Education dismantled, leaders who belittle civic responsibility and destroy long-settled values, violence, as a way of life. A lot that was wrong then is also wrong now. Enter Hosea, chosen to prophesy the restoration of Aram and Israel's alliance, while Jeroboam uh, preferred a pact with the imperial invaders. Jeroboam, were he our president, we would be at war with Canada, and school children would be learning Russian. As far-fetched as that sounds, there are current presidential candidates who want to wage war on Mexico. Keep up. 
Do not be conditioned to apathy. A man with considerable emotional baggage, I feel seen, Hosea calls on his wife, Gomer, as the narrative foil for his unfaithful Israel. And their children he names with names that describe what God will do to Israel if they don't shape up. His daughter, La Ruhama, her name means no mercy because God don't pity the fool who worships Baal. Their son is named Lo-Ami, which means not my people. Now, I might not be a parenting expert, but please do not name your child not mine. Bad! <laughs> Hosea is one of the oldest texts among the prophets, as old as the Tanakh. Up until this point in history, the Lord has been on many a tirade, banishing the first humans from the garden, smiting some Canaanites, ordering Saul to commit a Mechalite genocide, the Lord Sabaot, who we sing of at communion time, refers to the God of armies, the Lord of what we think of as Old Testament-style revenge. Please find page 737 in your Bibles. It's easy for Christians to think self-righteously that the birth of Jesus somehow mellowed God out, that God's heart recoils as described in the, 11, in the eighth verse of Hosea 11. All of that just isn't true. This, this scripture today is the first time in history God commits to compassion. This is a turning point. Before we read this, you need to know that Adma and Zeboim were towns destroyed along with Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Hebrew word translated recoil in verse 8 needs some unpacking. Theologian John Holbert writes of verse 8, Here Yahweh's heart, which is the Hebrew seat of will and intelligence, quite literally turns over. It's more than recoil. Turns. And God speaks against God's own angry past. That's a big deal. Now hear what God is saying to the church. Hosea 11. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more I called them, the more they went from me. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and offering incense to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I taught them, I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and I fed them. They shall return to the land of Egypt and Assyria shall be their king because they have refused to return to me. Their swords, sword rages in their cities. 
It consumes their oracle priests and devours because of their schemes. My people are bent on turning away from me. To the Most High they call, but he does not raise them up at all. How can I give up you, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zebulim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. For I am God and no mortal, the Holy One in your midst, and I will come in wrath. I will not come in wrath. I will not come in wrath. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I will not come in wrath. This is the origin story of God's mercy intertwined with the history of a rebellious nation, a terrible ruler, and of all things, a troubled relationship. To understand the breadth of God's unconditional love, I want to talk about Gomer and Hosea and their marital challenges. The great theologian John Shelby Spong used to tell this story in a way that allowed people to enter into it and to identify and to know it. I've updated some of his words that were recorded very generously by the Reverend Don Hutchings. So take a, dip, take a little breath here. Travel with me back, 8th century BCE, and imagine all of the gossip and tongue-wagging when the staid and respected holy man Hosea married Gomer, the party-loving youngest daughter of the old merchant Dibalim. Gomer was drop-dead gorgeous, known for her style and her dancing. Hosea was older and kind of boring. He was a holy man. He was so proud, though, of his young bride. He vowed to do all he could to make her happy. And at first, things were great. Hosea found a new lease on life. He went to Gomer to countless events and basked in her popularity. That hectic social pace, however, only increased over time. After a year or so, Hosea began to yearn for some me time. Tension crept into their relationship. Once, Hosea wanted to leave a party sooner than Gomer, so a compromise was arranged. Hosea would leave, and some friends would escort Gomer home. When people saw this, tongues wagged even more. Time passed. Hosea chose to stay at home while Gomer went to parties without him. At first, she went with friends, and eventually, she went alone. Now, an unaccompanied woman was almost unheard of in that context, in the ancient, brutish society they lived. A lone woman was vulnerable and undefended. This was especially so with Gomer, who was well known as the life of any party. 
One night, Gomer did not return home at all. Hosea searched for her, but he, she had vanished without a trace. Now unburdened by her more sedate husband, Gomer pursued a life in the fast lane. Years passed. She began to feel worn out and her popularity faded. Once she had run with the social elite, but now she ran with whoever would have her. Men who once supported her gladly soon began to expect more in return. They forced her to sell her body to survive. Finally, she realized she was being trafficked. Gomer was sold as a slave to a family that treated her horribly. Through all the spiraling years, Hosea kept up his search for the woman he had married. He never gave up. He never stopped loving her. And knowing the ways of his world, he searched slave markets, the only place he could think of as a likely destination. He witnessed the riffraff of society catcalling and commenting on the slaves as they stepped on the block. And then, one providential afternoon, Hosea's eyes spied his beloved Gomer. Her eyes were bloodshot and her hair was matted. Fifteen pieces of silver, he called from the back. The traders looked at one another. That was the price offered for healthy young male slaves. Who was this old man who didn't know any better? Hosea approached the block and he reached out and took Gomer's hand and he led her gently past the hostile crowd until the cat calls and their words all faded in the distance. He took her home and informed his household that Gomer, this once slave, was actually his wife, the center of his affection. That is God's love for us, like the love Hosea had for Gomer, a love that is born out of long-suffering pain. God's love is not something we can earn, God's love is simply a reality we have to enter. God's love is something we must live to understand. And God's love cannot be destroyed. God's love is waiting for individuals, for communities, for churches, for nations. The union of God with the people is a marriage that must be saved. God would save us if the choice were God's to make. But God's arms wait wide with mercy, and it's time to come home. Amen. Join us for worship every Sunday at Calvary Presbyterian Church on Fillmore Street in San Francisco, or watch our live stream at calpres.org worship.